Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. I'm going to be dealing with is in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21. All right, um, youth, I just talked to you guys, did a whole big long series with you, and we talked about how to study your Bible. And what is what, one of the things that we said was key, key to understanding a passage? Starts with a C. Oh, raising their hands. See, they do this in youth. I'm going to give you a shot. Go ahead. Communicating is good. Context is king. What is this passage happening and how is it happening? Now, I want to warn you guys before I get started, um, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. So to get up here and stomp my foot and clap my hands, probably not going to happen. Um, it might actually feel like you're back in high school. Sorry. But that's, you know, it's just the way I am. And Pastor John told me I could be myself when I'm teaching. So I'm not going to try to be Pastor John. I'm not going to try to be John Pratt. I'm not going to try to be Paul. I'm just going to be Brad, and you guys are just going to have to deal with it. All right? So Matthew. So if we need to understand the context of Matthew, what do we need to understand? Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Who was Matthew? Um, Matthew was a tax collector. If you look in chapter 9, verse 9 of Matthew, he records his own calling. And uh, the name Matthew means gift of the Lord. But here's, here's something interesting. If you look in Luke chapter 5, it records the same calling, but he calls him Levi. Like, what? Is that a contradiction? Not really. Um, Jesus was big on changing people's names because he changed people's lives, right? You guys remember Peter, what his name was? Simon. What about Paul? What was his name before? Saul. So when Jesus comes into your life and changes you, he doesn't leave you. The, he, 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 when Jesus comes into your life, he changes you. He doesn't leave you the same. He doesn't leave you where he found you. He'll take you just as you are, but he's not going to leave you like that. And one of the things that always amazes me about God is, is how he can completely change you while leaving you the same. You know, you'll become a new creature in Christ, but you'll still be you, which is awesome. Because a lot of people are afraid of that. They're worried. It's like, well, if I become a Christian, I might not be me. It may not be who I am. But uh, the reason I talk about this is just to kind of help us get an idea of what, where Matthew's coming from. See, Matthew was a tax collector, and he left his profession behind to follow Jesus. And we shouldn't just, like, oh, yeah, he was a tax collector. We need to understand what a tax collector was. Um, in, in biblical times, a tax collector was loved by everybody just like they are now, right? No. All right. Let me ask you guys a question. Who here likes their tax collectors? Nobody likes it. Why? Because they come and take money from you, right? Well, here's the deal. Not only were tax collectors not liked, they were also very distrusted and very looked down upon because they wouldn't just take your money, what you owed. Sometimes they would come in, and it wasn't uncommon, and take more than what they were owed, pay to Caesar what was Caesar's, pocket the rest, keep it for themselves. Very dishonest people. Um, the other thing that they would do is, is you know, in, in this culture... If you were a Jew, you were a Jew, and you were loyal to the Jews. Well, if you were a tax collector, 
in Judea, you were a Jew who was working for the Roman government, and they didn't like that either. So this is who Matthew is. This is the kind of person Matthew is. Kind of helps me relate to Matthew because, to be honest with you, before I met Christ, I wasn't an honest person. I wasn't um, nice. You know, sure, I might pretend, but everything that I did, for my own, I did for my own gain. I didn't do it for anything else. You know, why did I help people out? Well, because it made me feel good. Why would I help somebody out if it didn't make me feel good? I was selfish. So we look at Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was, he was not well liked, but Jesus still came to him. So who was Matthew writing to then? Well, as you start looking at it, it's very evident that Matthew writes to the Jews, to the, um, the people of Israel. Uh, when you look at his genealogy, he goes back to Abraham, who, if, if you guys are familiar with the Bible, Abraham is the father of who? The nation of what? Come on, talk to me. Don't be like the little kids. You guys can talk. I know you got voices. Who is Abraham the father of? Israel. Abraham was the father of Israel. And so Matthew traces the genealogy back then, which, which kind of stands in contrast to Luke, who traces it all the way back to Adam. And the reason that they do that is, is one, they want to show that, yes, yeah, salvation is for the Jews. It was for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles. And that's why we go back to Adam, because Adam is the father of all people, all men, all right? So Matthew also does a couple things in there, like he cites Jewish customs without explaining them. If you weren't from Israel, if you were not part of the, Israel, uh, the, the culture, Jewish people would do things and you wouldn't really understand why they did it. But if you were, then you would explain it, or you wouldn't have to explain it, you know? Um, we give high fives here. I like to give high fives. Everybody knows why. It's like, hey, what's up? High five. I could go to a different country with a different culture. It wouldn't make any sense to them. I'm like, what is this? So Matthew goes by, and, it, and he doesn't explain these cultures. So it, it indicates that his audience were the, were the Jews. And so one of the things he does is he refuses to, to write or say the name of God. And whenever he refers to the kingdom of God, he re actually refers to, he says, the kingdom of heaven because of the reverence that he had for for the name of God. And two, he doesn't want to offend his audience. He's trying to reach a specific people. So when we, when we look at this, we, we want to keep this in mind when we look at the passage. So I hope everybody is there. We'll look at Matthew chapter 18 real quick, verse 21. So Jordan, if you want to go ahead and put that up. And I know Pastor uses the HCSB, but whenever I studied this one, I used the ESV because that's what I used in school and it's comfortable to me. So. Sorry to rock your boat. Uh, but anyway, so it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. And then he looked at him and he said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay his master, or since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on, a knee, fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 
And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in, in prison until he should pay that debt. And when his fellow servants had saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I gave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and, you should, not, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also will my heavenly Father do, every, do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So what is this story about? I mean, forgiveness, right? It's pretty straightforward. But I think there's two aspects of forgiveness we can look at. Um, it starts out with Peter asking Jesus a question. He said, if my brother sins against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? And Jesus looks at him and he goes, like what, seven times? Now, remember, we said Matthew was writing to the Jews, and this is one of those things where there was some context there that needs to be explained so you can understand it. One of the things that they did is is in in Jewish times, the custom was to forgive three times, and that actually comes from Amos, uh, Amos 1.6, which says, "For for three transgressions of Gaza, and for four I will not revoke the punishment, because they carried into exile a whole people to deliver them up to Edom. So... In, in Peter's mind, he's going, okay, I know he's going to want me to deliver more forgiveness than three. I'll do twice as much plus one, and that'll be good. Should I forgive him seven times, Lord? And Jesus is like, no. Seventy-seven times. Now, some translations say 70 times seven. Um, whether or not it's 77 times, or what would that other number be, like 490? My wife's a math teacher. She's been helping me. 490 times. The point is, you're supposed to forgive your brother a lot. As much as you've been forgiven. So we're not supposed to be counting how many offenses, but forgive those offenses as they come. All right? And then Jesus illustrates it with the parable. And basically the story is of a servant who owes him a huge debt that has it, then he has it forgiven. And then he confronts another servant who owes him a debt and uh, refuses to forgive that despite the huge amount he'd already been forgiven. Now, Jesus said that the servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Who knows what a talent is? Not the same talent, but yes. Not, not the same talent. All right, in, in, in this passage, a talent is 20 years wages for a day laborer. So, let's see here. A day laborer would be an unskilled worker. And an unskilled worker in Illinois makes what? Eight fifty an hour, something like that? So... One talent would have been, well, no, I'm sorry. Let's look at the, uh, the denarius, too. A, a denarius was equal to one day's wages for a day laborer. So one denarius would have been eight fifty an hour for a day. It would have been around $68. And it says that the servant was owed 100 denarius, so that would have been $6,800. Anybody here ever owing, being owed that much? Anybody ever had somebody owe them that much money? Is that a lot of money? All right. So if you are a common worker and somebody owes you 6800 bucks, who here is going to be like, when am I getting my money? It's all right. Raise your hand. Why do you think Jesus talked about this? Why do you think he made that point? $6,800 is a lot of money. I know that I, I don't make, I make above minimum wage, but not much. 
And if somebody owed me 6,800 bucks, I definitely would want to know when I was going to get my payment. But the, why would I want to know that? Because it's a big deal to me. When you compare that to me, that is a huge deal. And I think what Jesus was drawing a point here was is that, yes, whenever you were offended, whenever you were hurt, it hurts. I'm not going to come up here and belittle the pain that you guys have suffered at the hands of other people. I'm not going to do that because Jesus didn't do it. Um, I don't know what all you've done. Uh, God doesn't miss your pain, and he knows it all too well. He's not going to make little of your suffering. And um, some of you have been hurt badly. Some of you have been offended. Some of you act like you guys, you do. You want to. You want to flip out. You want to act like this servant. You want to grab somebody by the throat and wring their neck. Anybody ever felt like that? It's okay. We're, we're, we're human beings. We're fallen. I mean, it's not okay, but we're all in the same state. So um, what, we, what we know is, is, is that we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be offended. Um, you know, I know, too, that, that sometimes I'm the one owing the $6,800 to other people. Sometimes I've said things and not even thought about what I've said. Sometimes I've done things just for purely selfish reasons and um, really hurt other people really hurt them. And, and all I can do is, is apologize for that. You know, try to make it right in any way that you can, but sometimes you can't. But, but when you're sitting there and you're hurt like that, you get angry, you get mad, and you're like, how dare they do that to me, right? How dare they do that to me? And the Bible says that you can get angry, but you can't sin in your anger. But here's the problem with that statement. How dare they do that to me? All right? The offense, whenever you are offended, the offense is not on you. That person, whenever they have sinned against you, has sinned against God first. And whenever you put yourself in that, how dare they do that to me, what you've done is you've put yourself on God's throne. You've put yourself in God's place. You've created an idol out of yourself. So is it all right to be upset if somebody hurts you? Yes. Is it all right to be if so, because somebody hurt you? The offense is on God. You're upset because... They're offending God, especially if they're a Christian. What if they're dragging God's name through the mud by doing what they did to you? They call themselves a Christian. How could they do this? You guys cannot, you can't take it on yourself. You can't put yourself in that position. All right? Because I want to remind you what happened. Um, well, actually, I've got a, a, a story for it. When I was at school, I had a professor. We called him Doc. His name is Curtis McLean. And... Uh, Wonderful man of God. I know, Pastor, whenever you were at school, you had some men you looked up to. This was one of these men. And uh, just in going to school, you hear stories about, oh, yeah, did you guys ever hear that story about Doc's dad? And all this and all that. And it just bits and pieces of it. You hear it's like, well, this makes me want to ask. So one day I had a chance to ask him. I said, Doc, why, what, what is the story with your dad? I mean, I, I get that he's passed away, but I said, you also have a lot of good stories about your dad. But I get that he passed away, but it doesn't seem like he just died. It seemed like something happened. So he sat down with me. We were sitting up at the uh, Perk, which is a cafe there, coffee house, which is awesome. Because if you're studying the scriptures, it's always good to have coffee, am I right? All right, so we're sitting down at the Perk, and he's like, well, let me tell you this story. So basically, what had happened was his father was a minister at a church in downtown St. Louis. And um, I want to say this was in the mid-90s, 95, 96. I can't remember exactly when it was. But uh, his father had met a man who was homeless and addicted to drugs. 
And his dad did exactly what a Christian should do. He took this man in, and then he had known him for probably six months. You know, if he'd see him, hey, do you need a ride? Do you need help? Do you want to come over for some coffee? Stuff like that. And their church was two levels. They had the sanctuary upstairs, and then downstairs was the, uh, was the um, fellowship hall. And the, this, this one day, the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I'd like to come back, and I, I need to talk. And so, okay, that sounds good. Um, so anyway, they go downstairs in the, in the basement to make coffee. He's making coffee, and the guy's sitting on the table. And uh, Doc's mom is upstairs working in the office. And she says she heard the, the coffee pot glass break on the ground. And she goes downstairs to see what happened. And what she saw was her husband there lying dead. Um, Doc's dad was murdered by the man that he tried to help. He died doing God's work. Now, I want you to ask yourself, where would you be in that situation? Who here would be furious, angry, confused, mad, hurt? Don't even know. Who here would be questioning, God, God, why did you let this happen? This is my dad. This is my mom. This is my brother. This is my sister. Why would you let this happen? But I can sit here and be honest with you and tell you that I looked in Doc's eyes and there was not one of those feelings in his eyes. I looked right in his eyes and um, Doc had forgiven the man. And I was like, how did you do that? How, how had you forgiven that? I mean, they, they interviewed him on the news and they're like, Mr. McLean, how do you feel toward this man? Do you want him to get the death penalty? And, and he goes, to be honest with you, I don't want to get, get him to get the death penalty. He says, I want a chance to talk with him. I want a chance to share the gospel with him so that he doesn't have to go and serve an eternal punishment. And this was just blowing everybody away. They didn't understand. How could you forgive him for this? See, Doc remembered what this servant in our parable had forgotten. He remembered what he'd been forgiven. All right? I was talking about a talent was equal to 20 years' wages for a day laborer. At $8.50 an hour, one year's pay would be $17,500. So one talent would have been $350,000. The Bible says that this man owed the king $3.5 billion. All right? Let me ask you a question. What chance did that servant ever have of paying that debt? No chance. What is the average lifespan of a human? 80 years? He wouldn't even got a chance to pay off one one-thousandth of the debt. He wouldn't have even came close to do it in his own power. And he did the only thing that we can do. He threw himself on the king's mercy and begged for forgiveness. And that king forgave him. Doc remembered that. Doc looked at what was told to him, what had happened. He goes, this man did a terrible, terrible thing. He said, but I also did terrible things too. And God saw fit to forgive me. Who am I that I can't forgive him? Who am I that I can't forgive? Who are you that you can't forgive whatever's been done to you, whatever's been done to your loved ones? Who are you? I mean, God was able to forgive you. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross? He's hanging up on the cross. They've got nails in his hands. They're crucifying him. What are they saying? What did he say? You guys know it. Say it. Father, forgive them. When he was in the midst of what was being done to him, he was forgiving you. So who are we to, 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 for, to not forgive? Who are we to not do that? Now, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this, and, and I have this song that keeps playing in my head. I keep hearing this song. Anybody know who Toby Mac is? 
I like Toby Mac. I sometimes wish he would grow up and not wear his hat sideways, but this song keeps playing. And, and I actually found a video of it, and I, I want you guys to play it. So if you want to go ahead and play that video, go ahead and watch that. Because we all make mistakes sometimes, and we all step across that line. But nothing sweeter than the day we find, we find. It's hanging over him like the clouds of Seattle, and raining on the swag, falling deeper in the saddle. It's written on his face, he don't have to speak a sound. Somebody call the five, oh, we got a man down. Now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll. But guilt does a job on each and every man's soul. And when your head hits the pillow at the nightfall, your life that it's gonna be a fight, y'all. Cause we all make mistakes sometimes, and we've all stepped across that line. But nothing sweeter than the day we find. Forgiveness, forgiveness, and we all stumble and we fall. Bridges burn in the heat of it all. But nothing sweeter than the day, sweeter than the day we call. I'm going to go ahead and, because I need to, I need to start by asking for your forgiveness. To be honest with you, I've come up here today and I've shared a message with you. Um, but I'm going to be honest. When, when Pastor asked me to do this message, to deliver this message, and I know I've talked to Paul and John Pratt about this, I'm not a preacher. I don't know that I should be up there behind the pulpit sharing a message. And I did everything that I could think of to try to get out of this. I didn't want to come up here. I didn't want to share. I didn't want to do that. But let me ask for your forgiveness, because who am I to withhold God's word from you? God has put me in this position to share with them and with you. Who am I to stand up here, or not come up here, whenever God has given a message that he wants to be delivered? Who am I to do that? You know, I always used to say that, that my life verse was, was from Isaiah, where he says, Here am I, Lord, send me. And the moment the, the, my feet were held to the fire, I was like, Ugh. So I'm going to ask you guys, can you forgive me? And if you guys can forgive me, I want you to think about it right now. Who has offended you? What anger, what hurt, what pain are you going through right now? Who has done something terrible to you? Whether it be recently or in the past. Um, who are you not forgiving right now? Jesus didn't wait when he was on the cross to say, for you to say, I'm sorry. He went ahead. He provided that forgiveness right away. And, and we should do the same. I know I get frustrated at times. And I really have to work hard at catching myself. No, you've, you've been forgiven more of this. But maybe you're sitting here and, and you haven't been forgiven that. Maybe you still owe the king 10,000 talents. Maybe you should step up right now. Maybe you should beg for the king's mercy. See, the king is God. And you owe him a debt that you cannot repay. You stand no chance of it. Step up right now. Ask for forgiveness. The video said you're not too far away. You're just, you're there. All you have to do is admit that you're wrong. 
Ask for that forgiveness. And if you need to forgive somebody, forgive them. If you guys want to come forward and, and, and pray at the altar, the altar is open. There will be people that will come up and pray with you. You don't do it. Don't hang on to it. Don't hate. It's, it's like drinking poison and expecting it to kill the person you're mad at. It doesn't work. It just hurts you, and it will destroy you slowly, and then you'll realize you're something you never wanted to become in the first place. So as the band plays, I'm going to let you guys just reflect on the passage, reflect on, on forgiveness, where you need to be so that you can come to the Lord and that you can forgive those that you need to forgive. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the day. I thank you for giving me the opportunity. Father, I'm sorry for, for fighting you on it. I'm sorry for, for trying to get in the way. I'm sorry for, for letting my own pride get in the way from me sharing your message to the people, to your people. Father, you said that, that if we loved you, we would feed your flock. And, and that, that is, that's my, I'm, I'm broken before you, Lord. I just should have, should have done it willingly, knowing that you, you, you would take care of it and I didn't have to do anything. Father, I just pray you move in these people's hearts and that you, you give them a heart to forgive like your heart that forgives. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.